Well, for this morning, I, um, I thought as we were wrapping up the types of the Enneagram types that I would share with you in pictures. So we would pictorially look at a few of the, uh, the last types here. So we're going to put some pictures up here, seven, eight, and nine. First of all, if you were an ice cream cone and you were a seven, it's very likely that you uh, struggle with the fear of missing out flavor dilemma. What kind of flavor are you? And you want to be one, you want to be over here, you want to be over here, you want to be over here, you want to be all the different colors of the rainbow. And so you might be the rainbow snow cone if you were a number seven Enneagram type, because you can't choose just one. You got to kind of be all the flavors at once. Uh, there's a myriad of flavors, which is you know, exciting for a seven, but also a lot of times the seven can get lost or confused because there's so many different skills and, and ideas and activities that they want to be a part of. So that would be the seven. And uh, maybe the, uh, the eight would be a natural leader, kind of like the Rocky Road ice cream. Uh, Rocky Road is a natural leader, also is a national leader in ice cream sales, if you didn't know that, so uh, Rocky Road is kind of that way. Uh, but the problem with a Rocky Road, the problems with eights is that sometimes uh, they can lead to disagreements, kind of like those chunks within the Rocky Road, they can uh, lead to disagreements which might lead them to be on a Rocky Road, if you will. Uh, so that's one thing that the, the eights might deal with. The nines, they're going to be more like the banana split. There's a diverse flavor with the, the banana split. And sometimes uh, the, the nines, they have something for everyone, as we're going to explore a little bit later in the message series here. Uh, they're an agreeable flavor for everyone, but sometimes they too struggle in their identity. Who are they? Are they strawberry? Are they vanilla? Are they chocolate? Are they banana? They don't really know because they get caught up pleasing others and they don't take time to learn about themselves. Here's another one, pictorially looking. Uh, the sevens might be the, uh, the head cheerleader of the school. If you were a cheerleader, right, this, the, the, there might be a head cheerleader. The, the eights might be the star quarterback, and the nines might be the student, yen, student UN representative, trying to keep peace with everyone uh, throughout the school. Uh, if you were traveling, if you were a seven, maybe you take a trip, you want to go to New Zealand. Uh, because it's this wonderful paradise where some of the most breathtaking places in the world and places for adventure. Uh, the eights might want to find themselves in Iceland. Uh, they want to go there because uh, they want to use their determination and, and their hard work and put that to good work, uh, good, uh, goodwill. They might want to go hunt the northern lights and uh, find themselves just unwinding in a lagoon sometime, just kind of relaxing there. And then, of course, uh, maybe in uh, France is where the nines would go because it's peaceful, it's calm, it's stunningly beautiful, diverse landscapes. There's flowers and there's vineyards and there's rolling hills and they can enjoy all uh, that the landscape has to offer. And then finally for fall, I'll just share this one with you. The sevens, they want to be at a bonfire. They want to be enjoying life and spending time at the bonfire. Whereas the eights, they just want their coffee and they want to get on the move and they want to go where they're going to go and, and take their caffeine hit for the day. And then the nines, they just want to be wrapped up in a comfy, uh, comfy, cozy sweater or a scarf, some way that they can just, maybe a blanket and just live comfortably in that peaceful place. These are, of course, just generalizations. That's all these are. After you take the quiz, you might find, uh, if you have done already or if you haven't, that's fine, but if you have, once you take that quiz, you might find that not everything that you are learning from this series lines up perfectly, and that's okay. Uh, the point of this, the study or the series in general isn't to make sure I can pinpoint exactly who you are, but is really to help us all enjoy a time of self-discovery, going on this, this, self, this journey of self-discovery. In reality, we're all the different types. We're all of them. We're all types one and types two and types three. We have bits and pieces of all of this 
together in our personality. But usually we find that there's a little bit more of one over the other. Um, if you take the Enneagram, which we've been doing all this series long for the last month, if you take the Enneagram and you submit the Enneagram under the authority of Scripture, if you take Scripture and you submit the Enneagram under the authority of Scripture, you can learn so much about how you were wired, about the way that God has created you. You, you. The more you understand about the way God has created you, the more you're aware of the image of God that's within you, and the more you can reflect that image to the world. Do, do you see that? The more that you can understand the way God has made you, the more you can reflect God's image to the world because you're also able to understand God better, the one who made you. I'm part of a clergy group, and every Wednesday we get together and we share together over coffee and we catch up and, and we connect with each other and we pray for each other and, and all of that. Um, and this one week, a couple weeks ago, one of the group members, he asked this provocative question that I kind of filed away. And I wanted to share with you. He asked the question, he said, what's the point of faith? He just kind of blurted that out as we discussed that. And it probably took half an hour, 40 minutes of our conversation. But he said, what's the point of faith? Why do people even have faith? Why are we, as a church, even Wayne Presbyterian or any church, why are we taking time, right? Should we learn about ourselves? And why should we learn about God within us? Why are we taking the time to do that? What is the point? And really, why should anybody even believe in Jesus? Like This was the question that we kind of posed out there. Why do people take the time to spend time learning about themselves and learning about their relationship with God and why do they even want to spend time reflecting the image of Jesus in the world? Well, as we talked about that, one of the, the members quoted uh, to me, he quoted a statement that's made by Pastor Andy Stanley, uh, who some of you know I've shared with him over the years, uh, shared uh, about Andy and shared messages by Andy here. But Pastor Andy said this, he said, following Jesus will make your life better and will make you better at life. Following Jesus will make your life better and will make you better at life. When you understand that you are made in God's image, when we understand that, when we understand that you are made in God's image, and that you choose to exemplify Jesus through your life, when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, that's the, that's the faith that I have, I'm going to exemplify that in my life. When you, when you choose to follow Jesus as the way to express that image, God's image in your life, then when you take time to understand your personality better, you will become the best version of you that you can be in the world. You'll become the best version of yourself. And so following Jesus will make you better at life. And I'm sorry, following Jesus will make your life better. And it will make you better at life. Are you making time for self-discovery? We've been doing this over the last few weeks here with the Enneagram, and, and I think it goes beyond these last few weeks, this last month. I think this is a question for all of us larger than this, but just focusing on the Enneagram, are you making time for self-discovery? Have you used the Enneagram as a way to help yourself discover who you are? Are you following Jesus who will make you better at life and will make life better for you and for the people around you? Now, we've been looking at the last few weeks at the six personality types so far, uh, one through six, and hopefully you found these messages to be uh, challenging and to be encouraging and eye-opening. At the end of the day, the takeaway for all of us in this series is that you and I each have unique abilities. We all have unique personalities. We're all unique 
and how we see the world is different in the way we bring together our skills, our passions, our personalities, our experiences, and it makes a beautiful tapestry by which God can use us to help people heal in this world, help people grow, help people learn how to be in community together. And today we're going to drill down on the last three types of the Enneagram. Types 7, which are the enthusiasts, types 8, which are the challengers, and types 9, who are the peacemakers. That's what we're going to look at today. And as a reminder, because I've done this each week, I want to give a shout out to the Enneagram Institute because they, we've gotten some information from them and also from Jen Schultz, whose material we've used uh, to, to design these services, the, these messages. So now, first of all, the, the sevens, which are the enthusiasts. Sevens are optimistic, they're extroverted, they are playful and spontaneous, and they are high-spirited. That's what we know about sevens, they, these enthusiasts. They constantly seek new and exciting experiences, but they can often have problems with impatience uh, and impulsiveness. So that is something that they struggle with. God has created sevens to be joyful and brave and imaginative. Sevens are enthusiastic about almost everything that catches their attention. They approach life with curiosity and with optimism. And they have a sense of adventure, kind of like a kid in a candy store who's just looking, saying, where's the world going to take me now? That's what an enthusiast, uh, the way they look at the world. Some examples from history of, uh, of sevens are Galileo, Ben Franklin, Amelia Earhart, uh, John F. Kennedy, Cary Grant, Goldie Hawn, George Clooney, Cameron Diaz, and yes, Pastor Doug. <laughs> Surprise! At their best, at their best, sevens can understand experiences deeply. They can understand experiences deeply, and it makes them deeply appreciative and grateful for what they have. They are awed by simple wonders in life. And they sense this boundless goodness in the world around them. Unhealthy sevens, however, unhealthy sevens can be impulsive and they can be infantile. They don't have a good sense of when to stop, which can cause them to exhaust, uh, exhaust all their energy. And sometimes sevens are given to addictions, which can really take their toll on a seven. At their cores, sevens desire to be happy and maintain their freedom and have worthwhile experiences. Their biggest fears in life are to be incomplete and to experience pain. They hate that. They don't want to experience pain and they don't want to be seen as incomplete. Sevens hate the idea of missing out on fun experiences and they will do almost anything, anything to avoid a painful experience. This is why sevens so desperately want to hear God speak into their life, I complete you just as you are. I complete you, says God. You don't have to look any further for satisfaction. I will protect you. I will comfort you. I will provide for you. I will complete you. There's a poem called A Bike Ride with God by an unknown author. And it's a story about a man or a woman on a journey of faith and learning how to ride a bike in tandem with Jesus. And while the poem has something to teach all of us, no matter what Enneagram type you are, it has a lot to teach sevens who are on their journey with God. And so after struggling and learning how to share the road with Jesus in this poem, the poem concludes with the following words. The, the author says, I did not trust him at first in control of my life. I thought he'd wreck it. But he knows bike secrets. He knows how to make it bend and to take sharp corners. He knows how to jump to clear high rocks, how to fly to shorten scary passages. And I'm learning to shut up and pedal. 
in the strangest of places, and I'm beginning to enjoy the view and the cool breeze on my face with my delightful, constant companion, Jesus Christ. And when I'm sure that I just can't do any more, he just smiles and says, pedal. For all you sevens out there, this is a great verse for you. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. First Thessalonians 5, uh, 16 through 18. If you're a seven, if you're a seven here and you, you are uh, here today, I want you to know, re- uh, well, even if you're not, I just want to let you know, rejoicing comes easy for you. Rejoicing typically comes easy for sevens. Sevens know how to rejoice. They know how to do it well. And so if you're a seven, add to rejoicing the, 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 the practice of prayer. The rejoicing is already natural for you. So add to that the practice of prayer, constantly giving over your circumstances to God. And learn to give thanks. And in this way, you are putting Jesus first. You're putting Jesus in the driver's seat of that tandem bike with you. Those are the sevens, the enthusiasts. The eights are the challengers among us. I know a number of you are are challengers out there. Uh, Challengers tend to be the more rare of our numbers, in case you wanted to know that. They're the ones that not a lot of people come back as challengers, so they are uh, unique in that way, but it makes them very special. Uh, Eights are the ones who are all about control, and they are confident, and they are assertive. If If you are an eight, you're likely finding that you are protective, that you are resourceful, that you are decisive, and you're a straight talker. You don't talk like Pastor Doug. You're a straight talker, right? At their best, eights are self-mastering. They are disciplined, using their strength to improve others' lives, and they can be seen as heroic and inspiring. Of course, eights can also have an issue with tempers. When they're unhealthy, they're uh, mostly, they can be domineering, and they can be ruthless in the way they are dominating. They can become hard and they can com- become violent at times. Some examples from history uh, uh, for eights are uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Winston Churchill, Martin Luther King, John Wayne, Serena Williams, Susan Sarandon, Barbara Walters, and the uh, character Tony Soprano, if you're looking for a mental image there. Eights like challenging themselves. They like to challenge themselves and they like to give challenges to others because in their heart, they're trying to push people to be the best that they can be. Challengers can be charismatic and inspiring and motivational. Uh, They can exude characters of strength, persistence, and endurance. Eights do not want to be controlled or allow others to have control over them. In fact, that is pretty much their core fear. And all their energy, all of their energy goes into maintaining or increasing control over their environment. Emotionally healthy eights are resourceful. They have a can-do attitude. They're emotionally, they're, they're extremely tough. They're resilient. They can take a lot of punishment uh, without complaint. But this is a double-edged sword for them because it, they can often take their health for granted. And if they take their health for granted, they end up being alone. They ignore themselves and they become isolated and alone. And so eights fear. They fear being hurt emotionally and they will defend themselves tooth and nail. And they will reject you first in order for, you, for them to protect themselves, which can oftentimes cause a strain in the relationship. In the relationship with God, eights desperately, this is what they desperately want to hear, they want to hear God say, I will uphold you just as you are. I will uphold you just as you are. I've got you, says God. I've got you. You don't have to fear being weak, eights, because I am strength 
for you. Psalm 18.32 says, It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. This is a life verse for an eight. It is God who arms you with strength. Your strength doesn't come from you. As much as you think it does, it doesn't come from you. So all that energy, all that emotion that you're trying to use to maintain control and stay protected, imagine how much time and energy you would save if you would trust God for your strength. It's difficult to do. But yield power to God and let God be your strength. When you do that, God will be your security. God will be your provider. God will keep your way secure. When you know that God arms you with strength and you don't have to worry about protecting yourself from getting hurt, you're freed up to share that strength that God has given you. Share that strength with others and you can help the world be the best that it can be. Sevens are our enthusiasts. Eight are our challengers. Nine, finally here, are our peacemakers. And where the eights are probably uh, some of the more rare numbers in the world, the nines are probably the most common numbers around the world. Nines are usually, in a, their goal is to create harmony within their environment. They're usually accepting and trusting and they're very stable individuals. Nines are usually creative and optimistic and supportive, but they can also be too willing to go along with others in order to keep the peace. At their very best, they're able to bring people together and to heal conflicts where at their worst, they can be anxious, they can sometimes be slothful, and they can be self-neglecting. Nines are called peacemakers more than any other type because they, they seek internal and external harmony. They are often very spiritual, seeking connections with God and with others. Uh, some examples of nines from history, Abe Lincoln is considered to be a nine. Uh, Walt Disney, Jim Henson, Ron Howard, Gloria Steinem, Janet Jackson, Whoopi Goldberg, and Mr. Rogers. Nines have been called the crown of the Enneagram because they seem to include characteristics of each type. Nine can have the strength of the eights, the sense of fun and adventure of the sevens, the dutifulness of the sixes, the intellectualism of the fives, the creativity of the fours, the attractiveness of the threes, the generosity of the twos, and the idealism of the ones. They can have all of that within them, and yet they generally do not have a very good sense of self. They often lack a strong sense of their own identity. Their biggest fear in life is to be tied up in some kind of conflict, and so more than anything else, a nine wants to hear God say, I welcome you just as you are. Come and enjoy everything that I have to offer. As you draw near to me, I will draw near to you, says God. You are welcome and you can make a home here with me. A nine is invigorated by such a message from God. Psalm 9, 9 says to us, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. When a nine takes that truth to heart, and believes that they are protected and they are welcomed by God, when they believe that in times of trouble they can place, uh, they can, I'm sorry, when there's, they're in trouble, there's a place that they can go. They can run into the arms of Jesus and he saves them. When they believe that all conflict raging outside in the world and inside of them can be calmed because of the peace that passes all understanding is given to them as a gift by the Holy Spirit of God and will guard their hearts and their minds in Jesus. When they believe such things, they can live confidently, they can live boldly, and they can positively use their 
personalities, their strengths, their superpowers to help build bridges in the world. Don't we need more of that today? Say amen. Amen. We need build, uh, bridge builders these days. Throughout this series, Pastor Jane, when she preached, and myself, we have said in every single message that God has made us unique, that none of us are the same. Not one of us is the same. Each of us is different. Our personalities, our passions, our hopes, our desires, our skills, and our abilities, all of them come together to form who we are. And yet at the same time, we are made in the image of God. God has placed his image inside each and every one of us. We are alike and we are different. And I hope that over the last few weeks, you've been able to learn about yourself and to learn about others um, so that together, together we're able to say we've been on a journey of self-discovery using the different types of the Enneagram, uh, which helps us understand ourselves better. And ultimately, ultimately as we do that, it gives us the ability to be affirmed by God, that God has made us who we are and he can affirm that in us. Earlier, I mentioned that quote from Andy Stanley, who said that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. And when you submit what you've learned, all that we've learned, when we submit what we've learned uh, about yourself, using the Enneagram, when we submit that underneath the authority of the Bible, when you submit that, and you learn to hear God's message, hear what God has to say to you through the Enneagram, when we submit that under, under the authority of Scripture, it makes life better, and it makes you better at life. Next week, we're going to conclude this whole series by putting all this together. And one of the things I've done is I've been, I'm inviting uh, Frank Boyles, who's doing a workshop for us on Wednesday nights. I'm going to invite Frank to join me here, and together we're going to share this message about um, our numbers, and we're going to share about why they matter. Uh, we are created to make an impact on the world around us. And so even if you haven't taken the, the quiz yet, if there's, there's still time. Uh, even if you haven't done that, I would encourage you, go to our website online and uh, fill that out. Fill that out and do it this week because then when you come back next week, uh, certainly you can go listen to any of the podcasts that we've had up, but when you come next week, we're going to put all of this together and we're going to learn about how we were created to make an impact on the world. And when we understand who we are and how we were made, we can make the world a better place. And so tune in next week for putting it all together, this message as we conclude this time about uh, the final thoughts of the Enneagram series. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the gift that the Enneagram is for us, that we can use it. We know it's a tool. We know it is not the end all of all things. We know that your scripture reigns supreme. And so, Lord, we pray that it would help us to understand ourselves better so that we can approach scripture and we can understand how you are speaking to us through your word. And so, Lord God, we pray for uh, this week as we continue to just look for opportunities to learn about ourselves and to use these uh, personality inventories in this creative way. Uh, be with us, Lord, as we do all of this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.